With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Book Woman. Book Woman is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Metis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomanpodcast.ca. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Eric, brother, welcome to the Second Floor Podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, coming through. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but we're we're good friends. We've known each other for a number of years. Quite so some time, yeah. It was bound to happen to have, Eventually. have you on. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to start off uh, is about something that we've done together. Mm-hmm. Over the last 15 months, which is basically renovate a house from from scratch, um, no experience, um, kind of something that we've done together. And I think it's a good little icebreaker to kind of just start the conversation. Sure. Um, you know, we've been working on this project for the last 15 months, maybe probably longer now. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you feel about, about the house now? And you know kind of kind of share your thoughts and and what's what's been going on so yeah to start when you say how do you feel about the house now a lot different than how i felt when we bought it yeah there was a lot of a big decision making process no doubt with a lot of work in front of us and part of part of doing that work for the first time is understanding the scale of it and so when you talk about how far we've come and what that looks like over the 15 months it's extremely gratifying to see the hard work that two people can put into something and what that actually looks like and what it could turn into. So looking at it now, it's a huge accomplishment. Even at the stage we're at, it's not completely finished, but it's still been, you know, like you said, 15 months of hard work, dedication, conscious thought, conscious effort on top of our regular lives, which is busy, just like any other person would be. So mm-hmm. to pile that all on top, it's a very gratifying feeling. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but we were spending like, I mean, even to this day, we've been spending multiple evenings and weekends, full, full, full days um, on top of, like you said, regular full-time jobs um, in the midst of COVID happening. Yeah. All the shit that's been happening over the past, <laughs> the past year. Um you know, and, and, and especially, especially it being the first time, um, you know, us being you both being first time home buyers. Um, I think it's been a, it's been a roller coaster to say less for, for me personally, mentally, because I've never been one to, 
Uh, I think this year has been the first year where I really pushed myself out of my own comfort zone mm -hmm. in terms of different projects. And I think, uh, especially with the house being probably the most mentally challenging for me, uh, because it's it, a, we've been learning as we've been going along and uh, me not even knowing how to fucking use a hammer or a drill or a paintbrush, nothing, <laughs> zero experience, yeah. um, has been, has been interesting. So. Yeah, it's been it's been quite the ride. There's the the mental side of it's huge. The physical aspect is another thing altogether. The financial side is another thing altogether, and that probably blends into the whole mental assault that we've endured for the last fifteen months, or even longer since we started talking about this. Because it would we were in talks for three, four, five, six months before we did it. Yeah. So it's been a long time of you know considering what to do, thinking about it, trying to put plans together. Yeah. The evenings, the weekends, the the sacrifices, the COVID stuff, of course, all that's impacted everybody. But, you know, we, we've we made it thus far and we're on a good trajectory. So just got to keep going. Yeah. And I think I think one thing, too, is, is like us being like just friends yeah. doing it. I think the trust factor as well, because a lot of it has to do with, yeah, like you said, you, if you have the financials. You have to have the sweat equity. Um, so there, there's certain things that need to be there. But I also feel like the trust factor is is huge because uh, we're, we're putting a lot of different things into play. And if we don't have that trust together and, and doing a project like this, that is, again, like you said, it's a big, you know, financial investment, mental investment, spiritual investment. Like there's so many different factors, but... Um, I think trust is probably one of the biggest things that we've, we've, I think we've done a very good job of just being able to trust each other on certain things and be like, okay, I know Eric's going to handle this and yeah. like, he's going to figure it out. And then you on that end, knowing that, you know, I'm doing certain things, working on certain things that you can trust me to get that done or handle it, or at least even being able to just be like, yo, you know, like. I know he's got it and I'm not really worried about that aspect and and I know that he's going to be able to do it. So I personally feel like the 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 project has been, you know, such a uh, it's been a blessing in disguise. Obviously it's been an investment that um you know has been on all fronts, but I feel like it's been a blessing because I've learned so much along the way. I've learned so many different things that I probably had I not gone through it with you, um I probably would have never learned. Well, and that's the, that's the key when you do these types of things is you said, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and that's where growth can happen. And that's where true learning potential can be unlocked. If, you, if you're just doing things that you're comfortable with or that, you know, maybe that you actually don't know to a proficient level, but you think, you know, to a proficient level, if you just continue to do that stuff, you're going to get stagnant. It's going to be boring. Mm. you're not going to learn new skills. You, you've said already, you know, not knowing how to use a screwdriver or a drill or a paintbrush, you know, and, and on my side of the, of the fence, you know, having those things learned, but there's a lot of other things, laying tile, finishing drywall, doing finished carpentry, yeah. framing, project planning. I, I took a ton of project management courses when I went to Nate project planning. This is one big project management task, I guess, project for lack of a better term, that same thing, you, you've got to kind of double down on all of those types of things. And when you, when you break out of that comfort zone, that's when 
we actually start to learn useful things that you'll be able to hang on to and start working on and, and getting better at and, and continuing to grow. So if you would never, if we would have never done these things, I wouldn't have the skills that I have. I wouldn't think the way I'm thinking now. And I would assume that you're in the same boat after obviously talking about it. Yeah. That's, I think that's the, when it's all wrapped up and complete, we'll look back on it saying we have learned so many things aside from the actual hard skills. There's a lot of soft skills that are going to come along with this that once it's complete and once you can look back on, it's going to really make sense from those stresses, how they change the way you act and the yeah. way you think. No, I agree, man. And what, what's kind of been like the most challenging thing for you in this entire process? Or what has been one of the most challenging things personally? It's probably the daily motivation, mm. I would say. You know, being that it's, take is, this, that it's taken this long, right? For some backstory on the project, you know, a lot of people joke about this in my, my family. We joke about it between each other, but the original proposal of this project, we were supposed to wrap it up in 30 days. <laughs> yeah. The, the, mainly me driving the conversation, but we both thought we could demo a house and rebuild it about 1,500 square feet per floor yeah in 30 days yeah i was i was counting on halloween i told my family halloween <laughs> i told my friends halloween we we're gonna have and they, and they, pre, they went along with it right covid we're gonna have halloween parties it was gonna be the rager of the year it was gonna be nuts yeah and here we are through obviously not 30 days <laughs> november 2019 was the estimated completion date yeah so here we are it's march 2021 in the strangest year anyone 40 years of age and under has ever experienced. I mean, that's a pretty broad statement, but you know, people our age haven't necessarily gone through anything close to this yeah. on a large scale. Yeah. So go through all that on top of the daily mental grind of you've got, I've said this a lot, but we've got skin in the game and you can't just turn it off. You no. can't stop. Yeah. You can't quit. You got to keep going and you got to keep when you're on your hands and knees pulling staples out of the floor, you're bashing tile out and your back hurts. You're hauling heavy drywall around, you're holding stuff above your head for too long on a day that just wasn't going your way. You weren't having fun at work. Your personal life's a disaster. But you can't give up. No. And that's the hardest part and one of the most enjoyable parts is getting through that. So mm. for me, that was always the hardest part. The The money is the money. You can, you can make more. You can find different ways to make money. So yeah. the financial side of it, you got to risk it, right? Yeah. So that you can always recoup from. But your own mental stability and your own, your own ability to keep waking up and keep doing it every day, that's the hard part. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that front, man. I think, I think that in and of itself being as long as the project has taken uh has has definitely been challenging um uh yeah and i think i think from a standpoint of like what i'm what i'm proud of like is is the fact that we like you said we we, we took the project where like i look at it this way like a lot of like i mean i guess i know a lot of guys in in our our age who you know Buying your first home is like a big deal. Yeah, for you know, sure. A lot of people, you know, buying your first home is like, 
emotionally like fulfilling like totally. it's it's one of those milestones that you hit of like holy shit like you know i did it like i was able to buy i purchased my own my, my you know my first house um with this project it was you know it's our first house that we've purchased and uh it was it was very fulfilling to to to, to see it and you know take that picture on the on the front doorstep that that day in october um but then it quickly the 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 honeymoon phase of it quickly quickly died because of totally. all the work that we we started doing. Yeah. And as we got deeper and deeper into it, I realized I was like, holy shit! Like we've had a completely different experience than people who have actually like just bought like their first home yeah. that doesn't need any renovations and things like that. Um, and you kind of take you kind of take the emotional side away from the actual project. I feel like you know what I mean. Like well, and that's a lot of times. Again, when you talk about that buying your first home and, you know, traditional Western families, I would say, you know, it's a very big deal for their, for their child to, to grow up, learn, become financially independent, move out, whether that be renting a place or buying a house, starting a family, doing all that stuff is a big deal, right? Like it's, it's, it's big for a lot of families. And I, I can, I can vividly recall my parents being like super jacked up, like, when they bought their first house, it was a very, very big deal. Mm. Totally different time, totally different generation, but it was a big deal. And when we bought it, and I was, you know, kind of explaining what the goals were and what the intent behind this was, you know, they 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 understood, but they didn't really get it. Mm. I don't think. Yeah. Because yeah. I like I, I can remember they're bringing over champagne. They're bringing over all types of stuff for us, housewarming gifts, yeah. all this type of stuff. And when you talk about the emotional side, that's a very like emotional reaction. Not that there was anything wrong with that. It was great. Of course, it feels good to see your parents be happy for what you're doing, right? Of course, I think yeah. both our families were were excited. They were happy. They were, I think they've, they probably thought we were a little bit crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, you could still tell their emotional connection was there. But- it was weird sitting on the other side of the fence, largely saying we kind of did this just out of a financial decision. Yeah. You know, we had talked at length about how much money to spend, how much money to invest, all the different options regarding financing. We got into, I mean, deep conversations, the location, the type of home, the type of neighborhood, the proc, you know, all some of what I'm going to say is basic real estate principles. We discussed that at length, but it was how we formed our decision quite, quite drastically. It, there wasn't a lot of, man, this would be great for two guys to grow a family in a house here and live cheap and try to save money and maximize our savings and investment down the road for greater things. Yeah. It was lots of, this fits a lot. This checks a lot of boxes as far as some really basics on how this can work. Yeah. And it, as we've continued on through the last year and a half, we've seen that those basic boxes are actually working out. It's turning into what we expected it to. Yeah. It's taken longer Yeah, on one side of it, but there's another side. We're looking at the value of the home and the appreciation and, and real yeah. estate just in general. Yeah. And we've seen the, from where it was to what it is. And that was always the intent. Yeah. And to have that happen in a year instead of three, four, five, six years, 10 years yeah. that some people look for is it, it, it proved that that decision we made to not 
make emotionally that we relied on some some pretty simple financial and logical de- decision making process yeah. i guess yeah. seemed to pan out we don't know yet yeah the the saga continues and it's going to be a while before we actually know the the end result of what that looks like yeah and we, there's some debate on where that's going to be and what that's going to look like but Nonetheless, it would be like looking at any investment portfolio you're you're thinking about is seeing where it was and where it is now and what it's going to look like in the future. And I think we made the right decisions based on thinking about it less emotionally. Yeah. A little bit more tactfully. Yeah. But it's weird seeing family of different generations or even younger people in our lives yeah. being very excited emotionally. Yeah. Because of it. Yeah, and it's and it's tough not to be right. I mean, it is a big it is a big deal, um, and it is a big milestone in everyone's lives to get their first home. But I think that, like you said, I think we made the right decision based on you know looking at looking at all the all those factors that, yeah. that you mentioned. Um, yeah, and I think talking about investments, I know back in the day, you know, you used to run your own business. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but um, me and you used to work at Future Shop back in the day. Yeah, OG that's Future that's where Shop. we met. Yeah, um, and I remember you and like a group of guys working in the cell phone department. Yeah, you guys were monsters at selling. Like you guys were the sales guys. Yeah, um, and I remember coming in there, not in the cell cell department, but working in appliances and and TV, and trying to learn from you guys and and whatnot. And then on the side, you you were running your own side business with the group of guys that you were yeah. with. So. Uh, I want to know, like, from a business standpoint and just, like, your own perspective of, like, how, you know, Unify AV, yeah. how you ran it, um, how, what what your experience was running it, um, and just share a little bit of that story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, as mentioned, you know, we met at Future Shop, yeah. you know, in St. Albert. It was it was a riot. Yeah. It was some of the most fun <laughs> I ever had. You know, shout out to Haroon. Yeah. Haroon, if you're watching this, Haroon shout Mahmoud, out. Haroon the man. <laughs> I love that man. He's great. He, interesting when you look back on people like that, right? And you think of like who they were to you at the time, how maybe they impacted your life or just the way you think and things like that. So interesting guy, interesting guy. But we, you know, there was a group of us at the store that were at at that time for where we were doing a really good job of, of selling and, you know, just we're we're getting into our hobbies we're we're talking about the things we like to do you know we're all like-minded as far as what we thought our potential was and and what we thought you know a little bit different ways to make money i was young i was you know 17 18 19 20 i think so you know you're kind of getting into that world where you're starting to understand the reality of money you're you know you're understanding you know, what you want to do, how hard you want to work, what you're capable of, what you aren't capable of. And we just, we, we identified a, a bit of a need for, you know, there isn't a ton of, of custom audio video stuff that happens in Edmonton. There are some, but at the time I had mentioned this previous, I was going to Nate, <clears throat> excuse me, taking marketing and management So I was learning a lot of like competitive analysis things, ways to market a business, continually writing business plans, all this stuff. And there was just a ton of people walking out of the store with that weren't necessarily satisfied with the level of service they could get. And we thought, hey, 
you know, how hard can this be, right? We, we kind of understand it. We're into it. We, we all liked it. The, the three guys that we did this with, we really liked it. So we thought, hey, you know, I can write us a business plan. We can put some basic numbers to, to paper and we can, we can go and see what happens. It, it, it wasn't a big upfront investment thing. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of skin in the game. I mentioned that before. So we thought, hey, this is a really good chance to, you know, if you made a couple of bucks, great. If it paid for a hobby or paid for a trip or, you know, at that time, one of the, one of the guys just bought a house. It was his first house. So if it helps on the mortgage or helps on a down payment, there was those types of things we considered and ended up, you know, forming my first corporation. It was called Unify AV. Um, haven't said that name for quite some time. Yes, sir. And, you know, we just, we worked on the clients that, you know, really liked us and that, that needed support that the business we work for couldn't facilitate on and did, just did our best to kind of run a, run a side hustle while we were doing other things, working full-time jobs, going to school, dating, living a life, traveling, all that stuff. You know, we tried to pile this on top. And I think without getting into the long story, some of the things I learned is consistency is key and being on the same page of your business partners is important as well. Mm. You know, I've, I mentioned one guy was buying a house. Another guy was living with his girlfriend. I was living at home. We brought on one guy's brother who was an electrician. He had a house. He had a family, so on and so forth. So it was four people at a very different point in their point in their life. And it was easier for me to commit more time to. It was a little bit harder for some of the other guys to commit as much time to as well. Understandably so. And so through all that, you, you kind of learned that, you know, it takes a lot to run a business. There's a lot of different things it takes to run a business. The things they'll teach you at, in business school aren't everything it takes to run a business. You're far from knowing the realities of it. You have a foundation, but you actually don't know what you're doing. And, you know, getting on the same page as the people you're doing it with is really, really, really important because it can make it or break it, really. Mm. That's what I found in yeah. this first small venture. Yeah. We did it for, you know, two, three years. There was a point when Future Shop closed that we did it a little bit more full-time for a couple of months. Yeah. And that's where those sort of things started to really show that, hey, we're not all on the same page. We're looking for jobs. Everyone's got to pay their bills. They had real bills to pay, yeah. had mortgages and things like that. Yeah. And so we ended up just deciding that it was probably easier to just not do it anymore. Yeah. Right? And no, no love loss. I'm still good buddies with all those guys, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is awesome but yeah it was it was a learning point i think for all of us yeah no that's that's no i'm glad you shared that because a lot of people don't know that you have ran your uh, business yeah. before yeah especially our friends um and i and i think uh i i think there's a certain like what i take away from that is like knowing the partnerships you get into yeah totally you know what i mean and i think for me just based off relating to what you said is that a lot of the things I've done this year is partnered up with the right people for sure, or at least calculated that in terms of having the right person for certain projects. So for example, like 
me and you doing the house project I thought was is is it was, it was phenomenal because you bring a certain skill set I bring a certain skill set um and, and it kind of meshed and worked beautifully yeah um you know this podcast For I sure. do it with Kenny yep the his personality his character um the network that he has and then me on the technical side of things with video and audio it meshed perfectly um and so I feel like in business um i've had partnerships in the past that that haven't worked and um and i'm glad it didn't work out because i don't think that those people like the people that i was in it with were the right fit and i think from my experience understanding what you're getting into and who you're getting into it with is just as crucial as the actual business itself yeah you know what i mean so there's a um, million things that that like humans are capable of some really cool things and you see it in those examples where when things do work out it, it's almost like holy shit how did this actually happen like yeah the fact that it actually has gone and i i can speak largely to to our journey over the last year and a bit almost two years i would say is it's like holy shit it worked like every day i remind myself that you know we're doing construction work in a home I got all my fingers. You got all your toes. We haven't had any any accidents. That's a huge blessing. Yeah. The fact that that knock is like, wood. yeah, where's where's some wood in yeah. here? Knock on wood. <laughs> you know, the the fact that that getting it all done is is just kind of amazing. And and it's you can only do those things with certain types of people. Yeah. Sometimes it takes you a couple of tries to figure out who those people are, or how to find those types of people. Yeah, And then when, once you can, and once you can do things the right way, and I think that's a big part of it is like doing things the right way. When everyone can trust the people involved, it makes a huge difference yeah. on not worrying about the doing things the right way. Cause it's yeah. when people have conceded thoughts or, you know, there's disagreements that, that don't get voiced. Yeah. That's when things will fester and that's when things you know, can blow up really negatively or, or just cause people to not care, not put in the same attention to it, which is important when you're trying to do stuff like that. Yeah. Whoever owns what responsibility, you still want them doing it to a hundred, hundred and ten percent. You don't want them doing their responsibility half ass. Yeah. Because then that's when it starts to compound on those types of things. And yeah. before you know it, you're out of control and it's a shitty scenario. Yeah. No, one hundred percent, man. And I think I think I think one of the things that I've I've tried to do, especially in like like partnerships, is trying to look at like someone's past behavior, because someone's past behavior and what they've done will kind of reflects on their character and like what you're getting yourself into. Before I didn't do that because before it was like, oh, like homie wanted to do like wants to do videos with me. Okay, let's let's start up this business and let's do it. Yeah, you know, let's just do it because it's oh, it's another friend. Let's. It, we're brothers whatever yeah, what like could go it's, wrong? what could go wrong yeah it's cool but not thinking about like okay what does this person bring to the table like again we're friends we're brothers it's cool but what does he actually bring to the table yeah this episode of the second floor podcast is brought to you by shift by alberta innovates our province is a hotbed of innovation now in season two shifts hosts katie dean and john hagan put the spotlight on Albertan innovators working to improve the world one ripple at a time. Here's a taste of the Shift podcast by Alberta Innovates. Make Shift by Alberta Innovates your next podcast binge. 
Join us as we take a deep dive with the people that are driving Alberta's 21st century economy. These global movers and shakers are working to solve today's challenges, create new opportunities, and build a healthy, sustainable, and prosperous future for Albertans today and for generations to come. Just when you think you know all about Alberta, we're here to shift your perspective. I don't know if I could stress this enough. We have a top three institution in arguably the most important technology in the entire world right now. We will prove a lot of people wrong by coming out of this even stronger. And the way we will do it is by finding ways to help businesses be cash flow positive and by willing to you know, find the ways that we can help. We're just starting to scratch the surface. And I mean, Calgary just this uh, last month announced the fact that they broke their record again for venture capital investment. And some of this is in fintech, some of this is in a whole bunch of different areas where we originally didn't even have these types of core industries in Alberta. We have diversification in our DNA. We just have forgotten about it. Sincerely, we are blessed in Alberta to have all the infrastructure that we do have. Tune in to Shift by visiting shift.albertainnovates.ca or your favorite podcast app. Is this a right fit? You know, and, um, you know, a lot of people will say like, you know, they don't get into business with like friends or family, right? But I feel like if you understand, and again, this is, it's all a risk. Like everything's, it could, you could, you could well, there's calculate no, there's it perfectly. no silver bullet to any of it. No, exactly. It could go all, like this project could have just went totally chaotic. Like totally. It, it might not have worked, but you can, you can, you can lessen the risk if you, if you look at your the, the your partner's behavior or partners yeah and just say okay like you know you said you had an electrician on, on your team you had uh, you know you had Ma, you had miles you had Taroff, like you had all these guys and those guys brought certain skill sets yeah. to the table so that the business you writing the business plan marketing analysis yada 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 all that all that stuff that was a skill set that you had that you brought to the table right so it made sense to be like okay like let's try this out you know what I mean? So, yeah. It's interesting when you say like those types of things and you look back on, like, I think as an individual, you look back on those things. So more context to the Unify AV story, when we were coming up with the corporation, we were, we were trying to figure out who's going to do what, right? You got to designate your directors, your secretaries, your presidents, your CEOs, whatever. Yeah. So at the time, you know, I were just- you, Were you CEO? No. Oh. No. We made a different decision. Oh, okay. Which, was a horrible one. Okay. And it's not that another choice would have been better. Yeah, yeah. This is part of the learning experience. So again, right through business school, I'm I'm in financial, like small business finance classes. I'm putting together balance sheets and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to financially run a business. So we figured, hey, I'll be the treasurer, right? I'll take care of the money. And I've had a fairly strong financial background uh, growing up. Um, from my parents. So they've always educated me to what I think is a fairly high level for someone growing up. So we were thinking, yeah, that's probably the the wise choice. You know, we'll put the guy in that thinks or seems like he knows the most about banking and small business finances at the time into this. And it's kind of something that everyone else doesn't have to worry about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I found out I'm not an accountant. I found out quite quickly that <laughs> you I'm, found out quite I'm, quickly. <laughs> I'm not the guy to be taking care of this. Right. And it's yeah. some of those types of things where, you know, you're not going to get it right on the first time. 
Probably not, right? Or you pay people to do it that know what they're doing. And in the case of our scenario, we we didn't want to do that, which was fine. I, I was I thought I could do it. But when it's 4 or 5 a.m. and you're trying to figure out QuickBooks, which is a really simple program, but yeah. when you're not tracking your stuff correctly and you're not doing the, the little things right, that's when it, it quite quickly spirals out of control and was easier to just not think about. Yeah. Which was tough because then it, you know, it, it could hinder some other things. And so every, you know, if everyone has some of those little things, you know, it can add up to a system that's not really very efficient quite quickly. Mm. And that was one of the things I learned is, you know, you kind of got to pick people that want that not necessarily pick people. There, there's something to be said about, like you mentioned their, their past, what, but what they've learned, what they've gone through, what they've failed at, what they've succeeded at. And a lot of it boils down to work ethic, right? If you're, if you're getting into something where, you know, someone has shown some great promise or they, they've, they've done really well at something, but you don't really know how they got it, right? You don't really know how they got there. Yeah. But when you actually know somebody and you can see the things that they've done, how they've done them, the struggles they've had to go through, the, the stressors they've had to endure, that's when you figure out, okay, well, you know, this person has really great work ethic. We can probably get something done. Mm. I don't know what that is yeah. or where it is. And I think referencing our scenario, that was something where I've always seen the things that you've done, how you've worked and thought, hey, we match up really well on a work ethic standpoint. So when it is two in the morning and your knees fucking hurt and your hands are bloody and you've got drywall dust in your eye, you know, who is going to be there to keep going and keep pulling staples? And keep smashing out concrete and keep hauling beams out of the house and shit like that. Well, I, I knew that I could count on you. Yeah. And I think you knew that you could count on me based on those types of things. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I really have no clue. It's kind of like doing the QuickBooks. I really have no idea. Yeah. But at that point in time, I knew right away I wasn't willing to do that. But there's a difference now. And part of that is having some skin in the game. When I figured out that I needed to be you know, invested mentally, physically, financially, whatever the case might be. But once I got there to that point, the things that I'm actually invested in or, or have genuine interest in, it doesn't really matter if I know what I'm doing or not, but I know my work ethic will come through. And I, I've learned that partnering with people that sim similar mindset, you, you can, you can buy a house and renovate it and, and start to look at something that's going to be that, that that's going to help your life for forever mm. from, from nothing. Yeah. So I, I think that's the most important part. Yeah. Aside from knowing what you're doing. Cause again, we went into this knowing nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. But well, YouTube's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. We live in, you know, at the time I, I kept Google, saying, baby. I kept saying, if you live in 2020 and you, you can't figure out how to do something on the internet, you're doing it wrong. Mm. Right. And I, you got to be, you just got to be creative. You got to be, you got to be creative. You got to think a little bit critically. And if you've got work ethic, that's what's important to me anyways. That's not necessarily important to everybody, but that was what it was important to me. And that's something I had learned is, you know, in this scenario, if, it, if it's just you pulling staples out of the floor at 2 a.m. and I'm at home in my bed, nice and warm, that's not fair. And that that's not really how it's supposed to work. But 
when I've got to do some more detail work and you've got to pull staples out, but we're both there at 2 a.m. doing it, everything's all good. Yeah. And we can continue to go on, right? Mm. So when you're talking about how do you make those decisions, it's, it's different for everybody. But some of those past experiences are how you figure out how that's going to fit. Or that's how I came about it anyways. Yeah, and I think, I, I think especially in like business, you don't know like any business that you get into, you don't know the, what the success is going to be. In fact, most likely, most likely you're probably going to fail at something, whether that's the accounting. And I've just learned this from based on this past year of just running my own yeah. little ship, if you will, with, with, with the media stuff is there's a lot, like I, I didn't go to business school. I don't know anything. I fucking, I, I can hardly, you know, put a proper Excel sheet together. I struggle with just putting fucking numbers no, in. Give Excel. yourself some credit. You're better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like even QuickBooks, like le- like little things like that, the accounting side of things, delegating, figuring out how to scale a, a business properly, um, doing the work, but yet also being a salesman, uh, you know, marketing your own business, all these things that, I, that, that I've learned, um, it all, like you said, I think it, it still comes down to work ethic. Like my business runs because I'm running. Correct. I'm chasing after that that client. I am following up multiple times a day. I am, you know, you know this. Like, there's nights where I'm just in that in that room in the office and it's quiet. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm there till nine, ten, eleven o'clock. Just okay. What haven't I done today? Oh shoot! I haven't followed up with this person. Oh shoot! I didn't send this proposal. Oh shoot! Let me quickly edit this and get this done. Um, a lot of the, a lot of it boils back down to to work ethic, brother. Yeah. So, and that's that's the big thing, right? Like if you're if you're gonna be in it with somebody full time or even by yourself, you know, you can't when when it gets tough and when the world gets loud, you can't just give up, yeah. right? Like especially when you're doing things on your own, where that's your source of income and you know, your bills are liable by the work you put in and so are mine. And it's, and I, I guess to the interesting part that I'm looking forward to that I think makes this worth it is, is what's going to happen in like five or 10 years, right? We're going to get through COVID eventually. We're going to go back to not normal, but you know, we're going to have regular lives, I would say, whatever that looks like. This is going to pass. And I don't know if a lot of people that are, that are doing lots of things now recognize what that's going to look like for them in five or 10 years. We've gone through the most hellish time. I'm going to say the most hellish time I've ever been through in my life. I'll only speak for myself. It's been the worst. Yeah. My job is different. How I interact socially is different. My family life is different. The things I like to do aren't, you, you can't do them. Completely th- complete 360. It's a 180, actually. 180. 360, we'd be back. Right, yeah, we'd be back. <laughs> but 180. <laughs> yeah, he's not the math guy. Yeah, He yeah, doesn't measure much. No, it's, definitely no. not the math guy. But anyways, you know, it, it's been terrible. It's been horrible. It's been the worst. But you can't just pack it in, right? And I think that, you know, through that adversity and, and the feeling of of that pressure inward is where, you know, I don't know how that's going to make, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to benefit me in 10 years when something else difficult happens or something, something less challenging comes about, you know, how you, how you can go conquering those types of 
hurdles that come up in your life because everyone's gonna have problems yeah right nobody's perfect everyone's gonna have problems doesn't matter what it is but it's how you overcome those things and i think that's one of the most interesting parts of having something to occupy your mind your time you know keep your hands busy keep your mind busy and not spiral out of control or 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 delve too deep into the the abyss of being miserable because of what's going on, you know, you keep yourself busy, you find ways to get through it. And then what's going to happen hopefully is when these things, not specifically this, but when difficult things happen again in your life, you're going to be way more suited to deal with them in a, in a way better manner, Mm. which is really just a personal thing, right? Like I want to feel good about how I deal with the troubles in my life. I don't care about how you feel about them, but I want to feel good about them. And I think that's something that this is all taught and like getting into the businesses with the right people help that come along. Yeah. No, that, no, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. Man. Yeah. It's going to be wild. Like yeah. who knows what it's going to be, right? We have yeah. no idea. No idea. We're, 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 we're flying the rocket ship in the dark, right? Yeah. And who knows? No. Exactly. But I think it's, it's how you, it's how you manage this stuff and it's how you get through it that, that makes you know, humans unique. Yeah. But myself feel fulfilled that, Hey, you did it. You got through it. You managed to do all this stuff, considering the adversity, considering the external pressures, you were able to hold it together Yeah, and get through. And I think how that's going to make me as an individual over time will be cool to look back on with some self-perspective and say, hey, I remember when I was 26 dealing with all of the COVID stuff, mentally, physically, emotionally, Christ, you name it, like yeah. everything, Yeah, how I was feeling in that moment and why I can look back and say, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, as, as terrible as it was, yeah. that was the best thing that could have ever happened yeah. in a weird I don't know, inward looking way. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I think one of the things that I want to kind of touch on with you, brother, is that you're, you're one of the best problem solvers I know. Like through, 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 through people that I know, you, you find a way to, you know, identify the problem, figure out what needs to be done and then quickly act on it. And a lot of people, they lack in certain areas in that, right? They're either indecisive or they can't, they don't know how to problem solve. They don't know how to react. They can be emotionally react or, or mo- yeah. emotional reaction to yeah. it. But I feel like when certain scenarios, especially again, doing this project together and just knowing you from, from, from the days we worked at future shop, um, you, uh, you find it quick ways to, to figure things out. Um, I want to know like, a, where does that come from? And, and and be kind of what what how you take uh, an approach to to problem solving. Good question. Where does it come from? A lifelong collective of your upbringing, the way you see the world, the way you interact with people, your personality types. Yeah, it it all builds into into you know how that ability to solve problems came about. There was. You know, I, I've been a salesperson my entire life. That's all I've ever done. I had one job when I was 16, cleaning a machine shop, 
But outside of that, I've always been in sales. And that was the biggest thing is, is identifying problems for people and trying to solve them with whatever you were selling. And I found quickly that it was a good way to make money. And I think going through business school, they talked a lot about problem identification. And that's not where I decided that was a good thing. It was about a 10 minute conversation in one class. It, it wasn't a whole topic. It, it was one simple written assignment on how to identify problems. But it was a little bit eye-opening because all the other things they were teaching you to do, and I don't even know if this was the point, like maybe this is the whole point of how they put that in, but everything else they were teaching you was solving problems for people, right? So that they only said, hey, a great way to make money is to solve problems when they said, here's how to do accounting or here's how to do marketing or whatever, any of, any of the cases, here's how to hire people, here's how to speak publicly. You're just solving problems, right? The, the, the very basis of that is solving problems. And so I kind of put two and two together and through some, again, trying to run small businesses, how I approach people when I'm, when I'm selling things, it has gotten me to where I'm at now. And I'm not a millionaire. I'm not, I'm not the best salesperson in the world. I'm not, I'm not this great all-knowing person that can just right everybody's wrongs, but it's gotten me here and I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I, I can look back and say that the things I've done to get to where I am, I feel good about. Yeah. And again, that's, I, I think that's kind of what a lot of people look for. Yeah. And I feel good about that. So I, I had hung on to that idea of solving people's problems because it, it makes me feel good. Yeah. Whether it be the fact that I get paid to do that, whether it be the reaction you see from people when you actually give them something of value or when it's doing projects like we're doing and you're seeing it happen, you know, that all makes me feel good. Mm. And so I, I've just held on to that and I've ran with it. Yeah. So how do I go about solving problems? That's very tough. Depends what it is. I like to use a lot of self-awareness when I'm going about these things because, you know, I, I have to know that I'm barking up the right tree. I need to know that what, I, what I'm looking at needs to be corrected or solved. And so whether it's, we'll use Future Shop as an example, whether it's selling, it, selling somebody a TV or selling somebody a cell phone. A problem can be as simple as you just want a new cell phone, right? And that type of person, you know, you employ a, a little bit different sort of problem-solving method to that. You want to get them hyped. You want to make them feel like they are going to make an emotional decision. You want to you want to get that out of them and peel that out. And then before you know it, they're just answering their own questions, solving their own problems. And it just happens to be with that brand new shiny iPhone you got sitting behind the counter, right? then you get paid and you feel great. Or, you know, maybe it's a, we've got an issue at the house where I can understand how this is going to affect us either down the road in 12 months, five years, 10 years. And what does that actually look like? And so you need to be able to pinpoint what that is, to pinpoint what the real problem is, 
and then you you have a way of addressing that problem. So if it is the new iPhone, chances are it's not because you just need a phone. It has nothing to do with buying an iPhone, right? The problem is you want an iPhone. You, you want to feel something because you have an iPhone. No one just gets the iPhone because it's the only phone available. It's yeah. not how that works, Yeah. right? If the, the foundation of the house is uneven and, and you've got a fix that so your floor goes down so your baseboards go down so the home looks proper and it doesn't look like a couple of amateurs did it well that that that's is now are we going to lose ten thousand dollars when we sell the home because this looks shoddy is that the problem do we want to we're in it financially do we want to to me that would be a problem and so you've got to decide things like what's the cost to do this and it's in the example works with both scenarios, but what's the cost? What can you afford? How's it going to fit within your life? Do you have the time to do it? So on and so forth. And you, and you go from there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and I think that on top of what you just said, the act of being decisive. Of course. Is, is very, because you can be in a scenario where you have, you know, you have A and you have B and they're both good options. Yeah. Or they're both bad options, depending Whatever on the scenario. And you have to decide to take A or B. And I feel like you um, you just go with your gut and you, you act on it quickly. Whereas there's a lot of people that I know that will spend hours and hours and days and weeks before they make a decision on whatever that is. And they have that A and B in front of them. And they just can't make a decision to move and move on. Well, and I think it, it's interesting because a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Um, the reason it works for me is because I get gratification out of it. Yeah. I feel fulfilled when I make a decision. Yeah. So when it comes down to, it's a problem in your personal life, it's a problem financially, it's a problem in the projects you're working on. Those decisions for me pay off and they don't, it's not like they all pay off monetarily, but for the large part, it drives me mentally and emotionally. It makes me feel good. I, I, I can feel better when I make clear, concise decisions, even if they're wrong. Yeah. Because I, I'm the one that's accountable. Yeah. Right. The, at the end of the day, the accountability boils back to me. If a scenario arises where I ask you to do something at the home and you don't do it, right. You totally fuck off and you blow it. Right. I can't be mad at you. I put you in charge. I asked you to do it. Did I, were you the right person to do it? That was my decision to make. So a lot of that onus and a lot of that responsibility, I like to push inward because if, if I continue to do that, I can continue to, to not blame other people. I can continue to, to focus on me and what I'm doing. And I don't know if that's like a super strange perspective to have, Yeah. but if I, if I can count on you to do it, and you get it done, it's like, holy shit, I put the right guy in charge. He did exactly what I asked. Or he did what needed to be done. And if I were to put you in a position where you're not capable of doing those things, and it doesn't get done, it's not your fault. Mm. You weren't capable of doing them. Yeah, It's my fault. I shouldn't have asked you to do it. Right. So when you're talking about those decisions and, and being decisive, I like to put the pressure on myself 
to make the right decisions. And typically that's through solving those problems. Yeah. And that's what I guess makes me, you know, maybe good at it or, or, or able to do it quicker is I can assess, you know, what's going to make me feel good about this decision. Yeah. And think that at the end of the day, if it goes sideways, I can't answer for, I can't answer for you. Right. I can only answer for myself. So if you let me down, I have to do it, but I know I'll do it. And you got to, once I'm there with the decision, I feel good about it and I don't worry. And yeah. I'm, I'm able to say, of course, Omen, go do this. Yeah. You know, in this example, and you say, of course, or you say no. Yeah. And away we go, right? Yeah. It gets done. We're good. Everything happens. No problem. Yeah. But if you say, hey, Mr. Stranger, hey, I need you to do this. And they flake. Well, you got nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah. Right. So if you're going to make those types of decisions. Yeah. You got to be comfortable owning the consequences. Yeah. And that's where I sit. I, I'm fine with the consequences of my decisions. Mm. I really like that, man. Yeah. It doesn't keep me up at night whatsoever. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, listen, guys, if you guys are tuning in right now, um, we're actually going to get the last 15, 20 minutes. We're actually going to get deeper on this topic of problem solving. We're going to talk a little bit of investments. Um Eric's going to give us some of his perspective on on tips and tricks and things that as a, as students as young young adults what they can do um, to to you know to continue elevating continue doing what 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 you're doing and on top of that we might get into some numbers of about investments uh, we're just going to dive deeper for for our Patreon audience so if you guys haven't. Subscribe to the Patreon. Make sure to go on to patreon.com slash Cassius. Um, we're going to get into a little bit more of the meat uh, of things uh, on there if you enjoyed this conversation. So, dude, Eric, honestly, we always have these conversations together. Yeah. And uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. I finally got you on the pod. Finally, because, yeah. yeah. Because it's been a long time coming. I had it kind of in my, in my mind. Um, and I know that our Patreon audience, uh, second floor audience, is going to truly gain uh, a lot of a lot of value from this conversation. Yeah, hopefully. So, um, I appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks so much for coming to the studio. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. been, uh, like you said, it's been a long time coming. It's good to see it live in the flesh. Yeah. Be here, provide my two cents on what I think is that's what it is. Is man. cool and yeah. hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully, it, maybe it'll inspire one person. Oh. Or maybe it'll make somebody think outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. That that's what it is. That's where growth can happen, and that's where these types of things are most impactful. Yeah, no, one hundred percent, man. And uh, I know this isn't going to be our last conversation, so I look forward to the next yeah, one for sure, for sure. And uh, well, if 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 anyone, students or anyone who who's watching this, listening to this, um, where can they find you if they want to, you know, reach you? Um, if they want to, you know, just just pick your brain about any of the stuff that we talked about today. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't have the social media presence. My good friend uh, Omid does here, so so you can you can hit me at the Grub King on yeah. Instagram. I, I love to cook, yes. so that's that's a big hobby of mine. It's a huge part of my life. So shoot me a DM there. LinkedIn, if you want to chat, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. yeah, you can hit me on LinkedIn. That's yeah. a that's a great one as far as my professional background goes. If you want to chat, have meetings, send emails discuss stuff, bounce ideas, shoot the shit. Yes. Find me on LinkedIn. 
and feel free to reach out. It's always, you know, these types of networks need to be here to support people. So if you're here and you're listening, it's all about support. Don't be afraid to reach out. You never know what, you know, a 10, 15 minute conversation can look like and, and how that can change your thoughts, how it can help you, what light bulb it'll turn on. So you got to be willing to, to give and take, you know, I've had the, the thankfulness of being able to have those things in my life. So, you know, good to give back. Yeah, no, and I, and I honestly, man, I appreciate your time. Of course. We're going to have those links in the description below, guys. So if you want to get a hold of Eric, um, all of his uh, info will be uh, in the bottom uh, in the description. And like I said, man, thank you so much for your yeah, time. Yeah, of course. I Thanks for having me. appreciate you. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to our journey together. Yeah. Um, but also individually see what you're going to do in the next coming years, man. Definitely. So, it's going to be fun. Yeah. This is the time. This is, this the, is time. the time this we've is had the COVID as shitty as it is for most people. And it's terrible. It's a blessing in disguise. 100%. Now is the time. And we, we, you know what? We didn't get into Eric's cooking, but this guy is a master at, uh, at the, at the culinary arts, uh, uh, just on his own. He does his own thing as a, as a passion. And, uh, I personally, and a lot of our friends know this, um, firsthand, his cooking is amazing, but we will, Maybe get into that on the next yeah, next time we bring. It's for a later day. Exactly. Yeah, it's for a later day. Awesome, brother. Well, oh, thanks so much, man. That was a wrap. Of course.